and divorce conversations where we analyze, navigate, and troubleshoot all stages of your romantic life. I'm your host, Igor Meisterman, a divorce attorney turned relationship coach. Hello and welcome to another episode. Today, we're going to discuss a topic that I feel deserves a lot of attention, but of course, as the nature of these podcasts, I attempt to present in a small but digestible form dimensions of the topics that I want to discuss. And the topic is called mindset and the work that is involved in that area of our lives and the positive impact it could make if we really engage the process of the mindset work. And we're going to be presenting a three-layered series that is going to involve in this podcast the topic of awareness. Then we're going to follow up with acceptance and finally conscious choosing. And before I begin, um, as I prepared an outline, I it did occur to me that there may be discomfort for some people with the ideas they will hear. After all, as awareness implies, there are things we're not aware of. And when we do become aware of them, we may experience discomfort. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, very often it's an indication that we may be heading in the right direction. And so before we begin, I would love to share with everyone a really beautiful analogy that I heard from one of my teachers um, that I feel it helps us set the tone and keep a certain perspective as I will share certain ideas. Uh, once there was a man who was walking along the shore, and as he was walking and got closer to the shore, he saw a boat, and there was a fisherman close to the shore in his boat, and he decided to stop and just watch the fisherman in action. He saw the fisherman throw his line in. After some time, the line began to shake, and as the fisherman pulled the line back in, he pulled out of the water a large fish. It was like half of the man. The fish was shaking violently. The man finally put it inside the boat, and the man decided to watch and see what will happen next. And to his surprise, the fisherman pulled out a frying pan, and he measured it with his measuring tape, and then he took his measuring tape and measured the fish. After measuring the fish, the fisherman shook his head somewhat of a disappointment, and then, to the onlooker's surprise, he picked up the fish and threw it back overboard. The man was really fascinated. He decided to stay and watch longer. The fisherman threw the line in again, and surely after a certain amount of time, the line wiggled, and he pulled out another fish, this time a smaller size fish. The fisherman again reached for his measuring tape. He measured the fish, shook his head in disappointment, and threw the fish back overboard. The onlooker really became now very interested and decided to keep watching the events. The fisherman threw the line for the third time, and this time when the line shook and he pulled it out, a small fish emerged from the water. The man measured the fish, and with jubilation in his eyes and smiling and happiness, he kept the fish in the boat and decided to make his way to shore to fry it in his pan. The man was really, really puzzled. And he said, I can't just keep walking. I got to go back and ask the fisherman, what was that all about? Sure enough, he walked over to the fisherman and he asked them, can you explain to me, why would you keep the small fish, but all those bigger fishes you caught, you threw them back overboard? And the fisherman explained, you see this frying pan I have? It can only hold this size of fish. The other fish were too big, so I didn't find any use for them. And so I only kept the smaller fish, with, which fits perfectly in my pan. The man walked away, and part of him was puzzled, and part of him was upset. And he thought to himself, what a fool this fisherman is. He only kept the fish that fits in his frying pan, and he basically threw away this opportunity to keep bigger fish, all because it didn't fit in his frying pan. And my teacher then turned to me and said, now, what is the lesson for us for life in this story? And one profound lesson is, 
is that many times in life we will hear ideas and concepts, but those ideas and concepts will be bigger than our general natural state of being. And when we experience these thoughts and ideas, and they don't perfectly align with what we already know or what we already believe, it's so easy and tempting to just dismiss and push away these new ideas. Because just like that fisherman with his frying pan, he only found that what was worth keeping is what would fit on that pan. And so many times in life, we will come across big ideas, things that could be transformational, but we're just not open to hearing them. We'd rather live the convenient life of our small frying pans and only hold on to those things that reaffirm what we already know. Well, if you're that person and you're open to exploring and stretching yourself a little bit, you will enjoy this episode. If you are not, you might as well Stop listening now because a lot of ideas will be very mind expanding and challenging to listen to and to observe. So let's begin. There are two components that I will use as a foundation for this um, podcast that reside in a human being, and that is the conscious and the subconscious. Now, these concepts have been around for a while and they're very much accepted by mainstream mental health profession. In fact, um, most mental health professionals will tell you that the subconscious is actually the more dominant aspect of who we are and how we operate our lives. The typical analogy is one of an iceberg, right? There's only tip that's visible, and yet there's a ginormous boulder of ice that is hidden under the water. And that enormous piece is our subconscious. But that subconscious doesn't sleep. It doesn't just rest dormant. It actually participates very actively in our life. The problem is we're not aware of it, or we tell ourselves that we are aware of what's happening, but we're not really, because we're not open to truly exploring and hearing how the subconscious plays out its role in our lives. And one big reason that that happens is because of this idea that we have in Judaism called negias, my biases, my natural prejudices towards my own position. And those prejudices might not necessarily be towards my favor, right? When we look in the mirror, the mirror tends to be skewed and it's skewed for people in all sorts of directions. For some people, there is overemphasis on everything that they're doing so bad. And the person just can't come to terms with all the wonderful qualities they may possess. For other people, it's the extreme the other way around and they won't acknowledge or recognize their wrongdoing. They believe that they're either perfect or very close to perfect. Such mental states have a direct impact on our lives, on our decision-making. Or as uh, once I heard from an Indian mystic um, in, a, in a lecture that I listened, in which he was a guest, he used this wonderful line that we live in compulsive cycles. We cycle through life, day in, day out, month in, month out, whatever cycle we would want to measure. But one thing is certain, a lot of it is compulsive. Very few things we do are from a mindful place because mindfulness requires awareness and we give very little awareness to these things. And perhaps, therefore, it's not surprising that in Perkeavos, in the teachings of the fathers, uh, one of the things that the rabbis teach us is that acquiring a friend is such an important quality to a point that it's worth paying the money. Because in the same verse, it says you should make yourself a rabbi, but it says you can acquire a friend. You can pay money. A good friend is worth the price. And the reason is, is because a friend is somebody who could be honest with us about where are we holding today, even about things that we don't want to give awareness to. We don't want to fully acknowledge and come to terms with of what we are like now, what our life is like now. And therefore, it's so important to have 
such a person in our lives, somebody we can get ch- check in with to make sure whether our perception is accurate, that it's worth it, even if it costs money. Now, it's very understandable, and again, we won't go into details of it because the, techni- the technical aspects are not meant to be part of this episode, but there's many important reasons, and many of them are actually driven by self-preservation. Why? We have natural resistance to change. A human being is wired to seek out efficiency, to seek out a productivity that's based on an efficient processes. That, and therefore, when we do things, we immediately start searching for, it's intuitive for people, that we just start searching for ways to do this more efficiently, to do it faster, to do it easier. That is built in into our journey as a human being. And so when we start acquiring along the way in our lives, various processes that we like to engage in and the way we go about doing things or the beliefs that we start formulating and live with that inform us, it is very hard and a lot of resistance enters when somebody comes along and says, well, perhaps you should consider a different perspective. It's very hard to hear it, even if compelling evidence is introduced. And whether there's awareness of that taking place in our lives is itself a struggle. How much do I come to terms with? How much do I recognize? One of the things that I always discuss with couples that I work with is that that concept I learned from my teachers is there's this great idea called, if you spot it, you got it. And what that basically means is as follows. If we actually begin to pay more conscious attention to our day-to-day lives, and we really pay attention, what are we like? How do we show up to ourselves, to other people? One of the things to ask ourselves is, what is taking place inside of us? Am I neutral? Or as people like to say, I'm parv? I really could care less. I'm indifferent. I'm fine either way. Or am I experiencing something? Do I experience frustration? Do I experience irritation, the experience resentment. And if I do, well, an honest person who wants to go through a true investigation into themselves will have to ask the question, which is, what am I not aware of? What am I not paying attention to that these things are happening around me and yet I don't understand why I can't make sense of why I experience myself a certain way around these events? Why is it that my filtration system, which resides in my mind, in my consciousness, um, reacting the way it does and processes the way it does various events around me. And that's why there's another great saying that we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. If you think about it, it's a really powerful line. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. We look at people around us, especially our spouses, our our long-term partners, and they do certain things. And we experience ourselves from a place of, you are irritating me. You are bothering me. You are so annoying. You are hurting me. When the reality is, is that for most of those actions, I actually had nothing to do with them. That's just my spouse doing whatever he or she thinks is best for them. And yet I experience myself from a certain place, but that place is not a place of acceptance. And the proof is in a pudding. If, if it's a place of acceptance, then there would be nothing to judge. There would just be acceptance. Because I'm not yet fully aware of how this operates inside of me, then I have to rush to conclusions and analysis as to how to make sense of what is taking place. And that's it's such a crucial step that before we can go through the journey of acceptance and then ultimate conscious decision-making, there has to be a real intense investigation into how aware am I of everything that's happening around me? How do I live life where my motto becomes what people say and do is about them, but how I interpret those events and words is about me. So what people say and do, that's about them. How I interpret is about me. That mindset completely shifts from this negative dance that I have to engage in of judging somebody else, judging myself, 
And I simply could say, wait, how aware am I of my own actions? And how aware am I of the actions of the people around me? And one tool that I wanted to share with everyone tonight on this podcast specifically is the way this can be combated is, let's say you're going to sit down with your spouse for a nice date and you want to talk about this. You want to imago about this idea. Well, one thing that you could say to your spouse, what comes up for me when this happens is, and you wait in silence. And this is the part that people so often either jump over or they just don't even intuit the value of this role um, in the relationship. And the way, if you show up for that conversation with a voice such as, what, come, what comes up for me when, and you fill in the blank, what are you doing? One is you're signaling to your spouse, you would love to engage in a safe conversation. You could share as you go on this self-exploration journey. Two is you're actually saying to yourself, I want to come to a place of awareness. And the only way I can do it is by very gently, softly, lovingly continuing to ask myself certain questions and wondering. And so what comes up for me when you did this rather than you did this and now I'm so upset. All that says is I'm absolved of all responsibility. I have nothing to analyze or think about because after all, it was all your fault. The reason I'm angry is because it's of you. I wouldn't have been angry if you were to behave better. Right? And therefore what's happening is that now my happiness is entirely dependent on your mood swings, which is a terrible place to be in. That place is unpredictable. It's not safe. One example I love introducing with couples that work through this issue, and many times it takes several sessions, um, it, it comes up is how do I react? How do I show up to my spouse? What awareness do I have of the way I show up? And the analogy I gave is what happens if you were walking next to along a fence and the dog all of a sudden runs up to the fence on the other side and starts barking? I think most people will say the response is, okay, there's a dog barking. I'm not supposed to do anything. What do you have to do? Shoot the dog. The dog is doing what it's supposed to. It's barking. And I just continue my day. And yet, when it comes to our relationships and when we experience process or negativity, um, and I say, you know, my spouse set me off, I can always say to myself, wait a second. Why can't I just pretend my spouse is like the dog? The dog is barking. And we're just making sure that we're not allowing that bark to become internalized so badly that it possesses us and paralyzes it. So how come I can't turn around and look at my spouse and just say, you know, you're barking me, I don't understand why, or you know, I'm attempting to connect to you and you're keeping a distance. I would like to explain. I would like to understand better. Can you please explain? Those types of open-ended questions that involve an investigation leave room open for the possibility of transformation change. Because once I feed that awareness and I give it more energy, then the more awareness I live with, the more ability and capacity I will have to actually make the changes. And so in conclusion, what I'd like to end with is this idea that we really should think through the things that I'm not aware of couldn't possibly change. And that's why awareness is so important. And that's why it's in step one. What we see from all this is that by working with one's spouse, this can be brought to awareness and then healed and transformed. Because as we engage over and over again in these exercises with our spouses, people with whom we're meant to experience the most safety, the most um, openness, where I can really explore what comes up for me, why do I show up the way I do, the more I keep exploring those questions, the more I continue to feed the muscles of my awareness. And therefore, the more I'm positioning myself to eventually be in a place where I can also even engage myself towards the goal of transformation. And that's why we say that true decision-making doesn't start until awareness enters. And so the exercise that I want to leave everybody with is one in which you could again attempt to sit down and do the mirroring and validating. But now the topic itself, what, what you should attempt to explore and discuss with your spouse is how do I show up in a relationship? How do you see me show up in a relationship? And then really sit down and explore together. What comes up for me is this fear, pain, suffering. And the reason this comes up for you is 
and then you explore that. And is there anything I could do for you to help you feel safer in our relationship or would help you um, continue to work on this journey of awareness? All of these things can always be plugged in into the Imago dialogue as long as the parties are all open and willing and would like to explore. And of course, the ultimate goal is that by bringing into awareness from subconscious to the conscious, our drives, our inhibitions, our aspirations, when we do that, then we allow ourselves through awareness alone without necessarily seeking solution. But that awareness is in itself, um, has a healing component to it. And just by continuously to feed awareness, emotions respond very well to that approach. Whereas the intellect seeks out other avenues. And so what I want you to leave with today is to really think about how much awareness do I feed to my day-to-day life? Or am I just living out compulsive cycles? I find that journaling is really, really helpful. It helps set the tone for the day. Um, I like to do it right after davening, after the prayer services, before my day kind of hijacks me. So before I leave for five, ten minutes, I just write something quick, something I observed about myself, about others. And when I think it's relevant enough, I'll even share with my spouse just to hear her thoughts, input, ideas. Um, And all of those combined together is what will strengthen the muscles of awareness so we can come to a place where we're better equipped to make great decisions in our marriages. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us today. For questions, comments, topics you'd like to hear more about, or to try our 24-week relationship challenge, email us at relationshipreimagined at gmail.com.